live in a time where the flow of information is constant, with competing voices in crowded spaces, where old school thoughts meet new school ideas. But in this modern age, we are constantly having to recreate ourselves. To understand these identities, we need to decipher the culture. This is unconventional. This, this is, is Lounge Academics. Academics. Okay, greetings people, you're through to Lounge Academics. This is KJ, the first Lounge Academic. Remember, if you're catching us on YouTube, remember to hit the notification bell so you can be notified of the next episode and don't forget to subscribe. Also, we often premiere our episodes, so if you're watching this right now, be sure to comment down below. Comment on what you're seeing, comment on what you're hearing, and let's have a debate and a discussion because I'm sure my guests are gonna wanna hear what you got to say about this current topic this this week round. So, without further ado, we have a heavyweight of a guy. Literally, the guy is a heavyweight. I mean, you look like a boxer, dude. Man's like chiseled out of stone. You get me? Yannick is here. Yannick Yalapinde, yeah? Yalapendi. Yeah. Yalapendi, sorry. Sorry, I did this day thing. I know. Um, so it's, it's all good. It could be day or... D. In French, it's Yalapendi. In yeah. English, Yalapendi. So, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Welcome to the studio. Welcome to the studio. Let me do the honours of doing our intro, right, for yourself awesome. and read Go out ahead. your bio. So, Yannick is an aspiring educational psychologist clinical psychologist, currently completing his master's in applied neuropsychology at the University of Bristol. He has a deep interest in biopsychosocial approach to mental health and well-being, particularly within context sensitive to the multifaceted social constructs of race, culture and identity. Having witnessed firsthand the mental health challenges black students face in higher education, Yannick made this topic of his research project and plans to continue on the path to improving mental health in the black community. He's also the founding director of Black Men and Women Talk, also known as BMWT acronym, a set of peer-assisted well-being where sorry, wellbeing groups that aims to establish a safe, supportive and therapeutic space for black male and female identifying university students. To, to dis sorry, I got slightly distracted by my colleague. <laughs> to discuss their lived, experience, lived experiences, wellbeing and mental health, okay? So, welcome Yannick. Thank you for being here, right? For, for joining us me. in the studio. So, as part of the whole lounge academics theme, what we do you know, you really got to stop doing that. It's very distracting. What's you there whizzing. I can see movement in my <laughs> line. So, yeah. So, it's great. It's great. I've been slightly distracted. So, right. Welcome to the studio. It's really good to have you here. Um, as part of our sessions, what we often do is we like to, in a way, formulate a topic yeah. of discussion. Mm -hmm. So, I know there's so much and we have such a little time to get through the content that we're going to discuss. But what I wanted to start by doing is first just acknowledging you for what you're doing, for your aspirations, and um, you know, to becoming a clinical psychologist. And also in addition to that, just being a trailblazer and setting up which seems to be a very much needed project um, in the community, okay? So, without further ado, just to get into this, 
You're currently studying to become a, a kind of clinical psychologist. Well, not right now. Oh, okay. Okay. I am, okay. I'm right. currently currently doing currently doing my masters in applied okay. neuropsychology, and then right. after that, I'll be moving on to the declin side, which I will be applying. And fingers crossed, I actually make it on. Okay. That's a thing. So, um, yeah, cool. If anyone's watching, that pulling the shots, just like that's right. Help me out here. Help me out. Yeah, here, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been at this, this for quite a, a while. Brilliant, brilliant. So. Just for the purposes of um, our audience and so people know, what actually currently at your stage of study and what does that entail in terms of the neuropsychology? What does that actually all mean? What's happening in, in terms of your studies? Yeah, oh, my studies. So yeah. this, the reason why I picked this course, especially straight out of my undergraduate, was because it seemed like a quite a unique course. My 80% um, of the content in my course is being taught by clinicians. So I don't actually have, I have lecturers, they only teach us for like 20% of the entire course. For the rest of the time we have visiting neuropsychologists, visiting um, clinical psychologists that okay. come in from the NHS and actually teach us. So it's quite, it's quite it has quite Very an interesting practice. practical yeah. element to it. That's why it's called applied neuropsychology. So we look at uh, neuropsychological assessments, we look at things like that, and it's like, it's preparing us to actually be out there in the field. So it's very unique in the way it allows, basically we, it is the bridge between academia and practice. And practice. Yeah, definitely. So it, brings, so it brings that together. So we, we're not just out there just like writing essays for no reason. It's like we, we are sort of forced to think in how to apply this into evidence-based practice. So okay. this is what I think. So this is why I, I saw this and I was like, you know what, I'm definitely gonna go for this. Okay. And also, um, the actual academic i think the academic director i met with him in my second year at university of bristol and he told me about this course and i was like okay so to some extent he sort of convinced me from quite early on and i knew that this is what i wanted to do so yeah okay cool so there's theory obviously yeah. definitely you've got the theory and then you're bringing a practical element where I, I mean really i didn't know that so you're actually getting clinical i guess for clinicians, clinical yeah, psychologists come coming in, in and actually just applying the practice, bestowing of all of their experience experience upon us and telling us like, okay, this is how it happens. This is how you would apply. And we do this thing where we have case reports and case studies where we look at a situation and then we see how we would handle it and how we would use our academia to influence the choices that we make. Obviously, we okay. can't we can't actively go out there and of course you know do so because obviously we're in training, theory, but it's very theory and practice basically. Exactly, and yeah, this is yeah, why yeah. I think it's such a great course, and um, I'm pretty happy to be on it. That's yeah. brilliant! Wow, wow, wow! So, in terms of the mode of study and commitment, is it is are you doing this full time? Is it full time? I initially commitment? started. I initially started. I initially started full time, but okay. then due to the fact that I wanted my dissertation, increased the scope of my dissertation yeah. and just a few other things that I was doing, I switched to part time. So right now I am doing my second year, but I'm only doing it part time while also working as a healthcare assistant at a hospital for mental health, okay, mental wow. health hospital. Yeah. It is, is that practice element a part of the course? Do you need to do, sorry, not practice, that placement element? Oh I no, mean, it's not a placement. It's just done? something I sourced out myself. I was like, okay, I, I want to get as much experience within this field as I can. Yeah. So let me start at the, I don't want to say very bottom, but I, let me start in a place, in a setting where I'm doing everything. As in like, I learn how this goes, how that goes. It's essentially, you know, the whole idea sure. of, doctors and nurses nurses actually do the grunt of um of everything when it comes to the hospital yeah. they, they're involved in pretty much everything and this is what a hca essentially is you're like you you sometimes have to assist people you you have to assist 
in situations where people are getting are just being brought after being sectioned you have to assist sure. it's a very very interesting job very varied um my first my first shift um i think i was asked to basically accompany someone back to their house to um to help get some of the weapons some weapons that they had stashed in their bathtub and then we ha i had weapons. to get them yeah weapons because there was a person that just tends to um I guess he had an affinity for weapons, so then he. I had to go to his house and I had to get them and then bring them back to the hospital. So whoa, 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 whoa. hold on, hold on, hold on. So you're dealing with. So all right, all right, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you're dealing it's, with some kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger. It, it was exactly that. There was a there was a chainsaw that was half my a size. A chainsaw. There was a chainsaw that was half my my height. There was a big machete. There was a there was a very big wow. hammer. I don't know. It was. I don't think I can call it a hammer. I think it was a mallet. It was a mallet, a very big mallet. And then um yeah, and then I took that, got in the taxi, and brought it all the way back. The another time I had to accompany, escort a service oh, user. So to, can, we, can we just deal <laughs> okay. with the weapons? Sorry, I'm still with the weapons okay, really thing. Wait, hold on. So, so that very much is a part. So it varies from day to day. Literally, I've never heard that that you could actually. It's it's I. To be honest, I don't know if that is standard. Standard, <laughs> but it's just a, it's just because I don't know. I guess when I walked in, I guess I tend to give off this calm. I got this vibe, so yeah. people were like, you know what? Someone needs to accompany someone one. else. Yeah. Someone needs to accompany someone to a service user to go and do that. You know what? Let's go for that guy. He seems like he's okay, and then that was it. I think that's just simply it. And, wow! Um, but it was great. Like I said, it's I get to experience mental health from different vantage points and at the end of the day i think that would make me a much better practitioner in the future okay I, definitely I just, yeah wow 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 so in terms of this whole because i know you've said in your bio that you're very much interested in this kind of element of biopsychosocial approaches yeah. to mental health what does that actually mean what's biopsychosocial biopsychosocial is like it's um it's biological so mm -hmm. it's the premise is that obviously mental health some of them can be biologically informed so it, in terms of it can stem biologically purely it could be a genetic thing and not necessarily genetic but just biological Psych psychological is where it's more in the brain in terms of the way you think the way you okay. think you're the practices you you um cognitive very cognitive yeah, and yeah. then social obviously is the um the social aspect of things the extent to which so some of the mental health afflictions that we may develop are socially induced so society and the setting the social setting around us forces us to react a certain way now so that's so exactly that so that social can trigger yeah. something that we had dormant in us biologically so that's so it's about looking at mental health from those three points which essentially i like to say creates a 3d image as opposed mm -hmm. to like 2d image or like, like a 1d like it's a 3d imaging so it's the biological aspect of things it's the psychological aspect of things and then it's the social because these three interact incredibly when it comes to mental health so i think that's and I, I just, when I first, when I came across it, of course, after my undergraduate, I was like, this is, this is it. As yeah. in, this is it. And obviously, um, I'd like to think that I lean more towards social, especially in terms of what I'm interested in. I think, I think, um, I think a lot of the, a lot of the afflictions that we go through as black people and in our community are very much socially induced as in uh, in terms of like it's the environment in which we find ourselves that 
creates those things sure. and I, I guess we can talk about it for but hence I guess that's what brings on. in the kind of interest for you in looking at culture and identity and how these yes. things play a part definitely looking at the constructs of race of self and how this all kind of plays out so what okay you know, what brought you to this point that you wanted to kind of look into this what what was the in terms of force in terms of studies study psychology, psychology? Yeah, oh. yeah definitely wow that's a I um I think I have I think I have the temperament for it. I think I have the patience for it. Um, I think I have the the disposition for it. I think I so that's just on on that front. Um, I've always been interested in the way people think, and I've also been good at looking at various factors that make people think the way they think. I got since I was a kid, I would always like look at someone. A person would do something, and I'd be like, "Okay, you did that because of this and this and this and this and this and this," and um, it was always really weird. I was always, I was a quite a weird kid. I would just like spend time figuring people out. So that's where the love. You were curious. For a second, yeah, interested let's, you know in what? People. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. yeah. So then I, um, <clears throat> so I was, I had that interest. So when I just came across psychology and what it was, and I really liked it. And I think also the fact psychology is in everything. So as someone that sometimes struggles to make their mind up and it can be sometimes indecisive, studying something that can allow me to still stay very broad in terms of what i throw myself into is literally the holy grail so that's the dream come true exactly right? so this is why <laughs> yeah, so this definitely. is why i i just thought to myself you know what this is definitely what i this is where i need to be this is my thing so as soon as um certain things unlocked i just went full steam ahead okay and yeah. this is where i'm at now yeah definitely and i mean to kind of bring us up to speed we know that obviously you we know there is the element of study you're, yeah. you're aspiring to become a clinical psychologist yeah. we know as part of that journey as well you have founded um black men and women talk, talk yeah. right so and it very much at the moment is 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 contextualized within um bristol university for is now correct? For, for now, now. it is yeah it's yeah. It, it was born it was born in university of bristol because that's where i was yeah but um i have i have um i see it going i see it going to different into different settings obviously as it currently stands i think it'll be best for me to um to fully get the higher education thing down in terms of like so if i were to move anywhere i would move to another university and to like try to set black men slash black women talk mm -hmm. in different universities for sure. now and then once we have a formula once a, well we already have a formula and a framework but once we see that that framework works in this setting then i'm already thinking about how adapting it how i can mm -hmm. adapt it in different settings that in, in a community and this it's just that obviously with the in the university there are a lot less variables so it's a lot easier to contain whereas sure. going out into the community so it's way more multifaceted than than a university setting so I'd have to really yeah. adjust it and to really so that's and for, and obviously I don't have the infrastructure for yeah. now I'm just a one-man army so of course. It, it helps to just be in one place so just so people know um, what is black what actually is it because I know um, you've you've written quite extensively about it there's been articles yeah. but in your own words what would you what how would you describe uh, it in practical terms it's a very very simple idea it's a simple idea that I'm surprised isn't I'm surprised at how surprised people are at the fact that it exists or that I'm doing it because it's a it's it's essentially a no-brainer it's um it's a peer assisted well-being group okay. well or groups because it's 
and um, it creates a safe, supportive, and therapeutic environment for now um, male or female identifying university students. So it's a that group meets every two weeks or every three weeks, depending on how things go, and um, essentially we come together and we discuss things. Now there are many elements involved in it which is makes it which makes it somewhat interesting is because um looking at all the range of things that i've studied in psychology i take elements from here i take elements from there and i put it in like there's psychoeducation there's signposting there is um exploring therapies like exploring various therapies i know that when you throw the word therapy out it can spook people but um i have a very i have a quite a subtle way of doing it it's it's I essentially expose people to the different therapies that are out there and you never know what works for the one person and what might not sure. work for the other person. And I feel like it's a good way to sort of combat this stigma behind actually accessing sure. therapy, which um which I think is really good. So this is yeah. so in a long winded kind of way, that's what yeah. black men talk is. Okay. And it's interesting because I know there's so many things that we can kinda of talk about within that subject alone. Mm-hmm you know, notions of masculinity and getting help and support and seek help in behaviour, as well as looking at, you know, the wider issues around mental health and well-being generally, um, which is a hot topic for everyone at the moment. And in particular for those from, you know, from the black community as well. So I guess, what is the issue? I guess there must be an issue or a problem that's been identified in order to kind of create, you know, this this forum and this platform. Mm-hmm. What are the issues that you've kind of identified to, um, and this solution that you've come across or that you've created to address those needs? Outside of um, outside of outside of university, I became very much aware of the state of uh, mental health in the black community. The statistics are dire, and. Um, I, um, looking in my university and interacting with the black students within my university, I could see that it's, uh, the university is literally just a microcosm of what's happening in the wider community. And, um, and then once, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then once I, once I realized that I started looking at the different elements and potentially thinking about what would I need and what would, because obviously being a black man myself, I'm pretty sure that if something is set up for me, I can also, it could help. So, um. I guess I can, if I were to bring it slightly back, I would say that in my undergraduate, I had quite a difficult time, as in I, I transferred from Birkbeck University here in London straight to, into my second year, so essentially I didn't get that time to like, you know, you know the first year is the, the year to chill and yeah, to, get, to yeah, get used definitely. to things, I didn't have that, like I hit the ground running, rolling, crawling, like Marks got back up like straight, yeah. I had to go right into it, and uh, obviously it, it was quite difficult moving to a brand new city um being you know it, it was it was very difficult i had some issues with like student finance and then sure just it was just it was very difficult so all of that just made it such a difficult year and then uh, i remember accessing um student services and um student looking for like counseling services and stuff and i i remember interacting with a um a counselor that just didn't get it a counselor that just didn't get it and I think that made me run from the service faster than well they just didn't get it and they would like give me some advice yeah but what if you don't think that it was essentially CBT without looking at the telling me to change the way I think when 
the issues and I'm not not really going in I'm not gonna go into that because it just feels like I'm just like mm, let me think should I go into it it's like it's just it's like overlooking the issues that are actually happening which were very racially racism just like discrimination a few okay. things so things like that within the university because because it'll happen it'll happen in any setting like that it will happen so it's Was completely you... putting that aside and not looking at that, but then just focusing on change the way you think, whereas my reality is still happening. So and, I changed the way I think. was your yeah. counselor, therapist at the time, were they white, were they not, were they... She was a white lady. Okay. Yeah, a she white was a white lady, lady okay. which, is, which, is, which is the norm, mm. which is the norm, yeah. but un, unfor- yeah. unfortunately is the norm. So, um, so obviously I, I accessed that. I had like, I don't even remember if I had two sessions, one session. I think I had a session and a half. Yeah. So there was a real experience of that yeah. disconnect between it was that, you and yeah. the therapist, and then obviously there was a greater appreciation for how others may feel exactly. in similar circumstances. So I can see. So then I, when yeah. I saw that, I was like, okay. Um, I went away and I managed to get my two one. I I was really Woo! yeah managed to get my two one. I, I don't know how I did it, but it happened. Um, and then when I started my masters, I was like, I don't want anyone to go through this. So what? Why don't I? create something that I would have loved to have when I was going through this yeah. so then that's exactly where it came from I started to under to look at like the humanistic perspective which essentially says states that we are all equipped with what we need to self-soothe yeah. and all of that and I was like we could do this for ourselves because all we're all we're social characters we've evolved socially so there has to be some sort of benefit or some sort of cathartic release that could be achieved through just socializing within a therapeutic setting so group therapy sure so then i thought to myself okay let's do this so um i created i created um black men talk started off with black men talk because obviously i was a black man and i i wanted to make sure that the spaces were safe so i couldn't as a man feel i couldn't as a man facilitate those sessions because that wouldn't necessarily be a safe space anymore so um what what does this because i hear this a lot i mean i've been involved in psychosocial education mm -hmm. i facilitated groups been involved in groups with the Tavistock, Tavistock relationships, various different. Yep. So I've I've accessed them as a, as a receiving that support. Mm-hmm. I've been someone who's facilitated it. This notion of safe space. What what does safe spaces actually mean when we when we talk about that? Are safe I think spaces it's, ever safe? I don't think I don't think a I don't think a space can ever be safe. Yeah. There is absolutely no such way to for there to be a safe space. You would have to be alone. And then again, it, and then again, you can't. Yeah. It's not a safe space because yeah. a meteorite can just fall from the sky, blow yeah. everything up, and then that's it. <laughs> Nothing is ever safe. But um, I think it's it's important to it's important to set something up to try to reach the highest degree of possible safety. Yeah. And for that, you have to eliminate certain things. As a man, there's no there's no. As a man, I am of this world. And the patriarchy is strong in this world, so there's no there's no denying that I will come, I will internalize some of these things, and my, I might bring them with me as much as I try not to. So I might be in that situation, and then I might say some stuff, and then someone might feel some way, and I might not even see that. So that's what I wanted to eliminate. So I wanted to make sure there's that. And but even even within a setting like that, where it's all women having that 
particular black women talk it can still be one a woman that has internalized that to the extreme and then that mm. still brings that in so it's like like i said it's there's no safe space but it's important to try to create of course to try and create the highest degree of that of course, and so yeah. but it's not it's we don't just do them separately there are instances where we come together so we make it a black men and women talk session where everyone is together because i feel like there's still so much to gain from learning from the other side sure. it's not it shouldn't just be about you know separating us and so it's just a question of you know sometimes you want to say some stuff that might be sensitive and you might and men might not feel comfortable saying that stuff with women around so that's why i wanted to provide both contexts so that's this is and why because there's a lot of powerful i mean this is all very powerful stuff this is all transformative in my opinion bringing people into a room sharing different experiences being able to connect with when you look across even within um, our melanin and the shades of melanin, there are yeah. different t cultural indexes and references to depending on where you sit and how you see it, whether it, whether it's faith-induced, religion, whatever you know, um, depending on how you see yourself in the world and how you position yourself in the world, would also influence how you kind of connect and relate to the themes and the issues that may come out in this in those conversations. But for me, I think. This whole issue around, you know, men and men talking, I mean, I'm very much fascinated by it because I know having developed and, and delivered groups myself, how challenging it can be to get oh, men man. engaged. Uh, to, to, to be able to come into a space and to say that I need help, yeah. and in particular being a, a, a black man, a man of colour, a black man yeah. as well, adds another layer or another filter of complexity to that. Have you encountered this at all? I have, the, I have. Yeah. It's still... Um my first i have although we were very lucky in my first ever session um in my first ever session i think we had um 17 men that showed up so 17 wow. men yeah so 17 men showed up that's great um i mean we did we um i think we might have advertised that we had pizza so i think i'm <laughs> not you know what i'm not food. really sure what yeah but i think that might have been a factor yeah. definitely to some extent but yeah we um <laughs> i mean we had the budget for it why not but yeah the um so when they showed up um, in one of the sessions, I, I wanted to I wanted to basically judge where how comfortable we were with our like emotions, and I, I, I asked a question that I knew was gonna not gonna go down so well, uh, which was when was the last time you cried and why? So when I asked the question, quiet, no one said a thing, and then um, then I and had, this was just with the guys, yeah, right? This was literally yeah, just yeah. The, with the there was the first session, so black okay, women yeah. talk didn't exist okay, yet. Yeah. So then um, no one said anything, and then I was like. Mm, Okay, Yannick, you're gonna have to take this plunge. So I came out and I said exactly like the last time I cried and why. And then um, when I said that, just it was very quiet. People were just like they they nodded, and then I, then someone else just started talking. And then when they were talking, they were just like looking at the ground. And so they were they said it, and then someone else did, and then someone else did, and someone else did. Then the fifth person started talking, and was like stumbling on their words, and then they just burst into tears. Mm -hmm. And then everyone just rallied up, and just brought them tissues and stuff, and like got up and like hand on the shoulder, because the person was talking about their mom and just like family and what that did, and just like, you know, just loss and just like, and it it, it really just they started crying, and it was, and it was, I think that first session was what made me real. That first session has given me enough energy to still be going at it right now. Now we're in our yeah. second academic year. It's that first it's session that has me here right now. That's fueled. And exactly. It's fueled it, yeah. everything because I was like, and then at the end of the session, they were all the, the three different people that cried. They were like, you know what? We, 
we um yeah we need something like this we and i was like yeah we definitely do because uh, and i was like okay definitely this is this is something i need to continue doing so um i um what else what else so yeah so that was that was basically it it was um it was quite a powerful session a really powerful session and we were like every week we just knew that it was something that we had to continue so then i went to the university pitched my idea got funding the university was very very helpful when it came when it came to black men talk i'm not i'm surprised at how much support i've gotten in terms yeah. of the the university and the because infrastructure it's so, much needed. It's, it's so needed as a resource and i think dare i say i think people do not know how to respond and i mean when i say people i'm talking about services yeah. i'm talking about um professionals yeah. with all their ologies and credentials and qualifications actually do not know how to respond culturally to yeah. some of the needs that you know black men and people in the black community have it's a fact standard yeah. people struggle and i've been a part of training sessions i've been a part of events where i've delivered training or been involved in it where people are struggling they don't know how to relate or to you know this whole concept of hard to reach the community yeah. being hard to reach Nah, man. It's not. It's a. It's, <laughs> you know. it's a certain knowledge. It's a certain on the ground knowledge that you have to have. Like you, you can't learn this in. You can't learn this in a class. You have to. No. You, you have to. And the thing is, you have to approach things as in, you have to approach this entire thing really tentatively. Yeah. Like I, I, I didn't just. Even though I asked such a question that was quite bold, you would say, but I still would give time, like. People are afraid of silence, but silence can be so powerful yeah. sometimes. As an in, and and being a naturally quiet individual, I tend to, uh, I tend to let silence happen a lot. And in the sessions, it's really useful. Silence for people to just think about, give people the space to really think. And uh, in that session where it was quite emotional, it was there was a lot of silence a lot of just like sure. heavy the, i think people call it pregnant silence yeah. so it's not just a silence for no reason you could feel something in that silence and that's really important you don't you don't always have to do sometimes sometimes you can just let the person do but but this powerful thing around modeling and i think yeah. this is something i want to emphasize because i think and i know people watching this will be seeing two men talking yep. um talking about a subject, mental health, which is often largely taboo, as yeah. you know, which you talk about. There is certain, um, yeah, there are certain kind of views around, you know, mental health and well-being when we talk about that. And I guess being a man, I, I think it, it's really challenging to be able to come forward and to say, I need help or I'm struggling with something or I need help yeah I need help with this yeah and I think that that moment of you modeling something I think is very powerful and what I've noticed actually is that when men are able to say look I'm struggling with this aspect of my life it kind of there is a domino effect like you saw yeah and um, although I know you've kind of said this I think it's important to labor that point yeah that it's really important that you know we have what we need you know, we have what we need, and you're demonstrating that 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 doesn't need to come from outside to kind of get that support. It can be right there, within that space. You know, as part of that process. So, other than the other obvious barriers of men being vulnerable and being able to share yeah. their vulnerabilities and doing that, what would you say? Because I know you've 
written extensively and you've spoken about I mean I read your Shades of Noir article where you talk about the locus of control control yeah. and you know looking at you know how we kind of navigate and negotiate mental health and well-being for ourselves yeah. and often it's located in in the other in the external yeah in terms of getting that support do you want to say a bit more about that yeah i um i think there are multi like i said the the issue in the black community when it comes to mental health is multifaceted it's there's there are just a lot of variables and which makes which is what makes it so difficult and which is why yeah, which is why it's such a big problem, and uh, I think one of the the one one thing that I really thought might be might really apply in this case is the locus of control, which is like the extent to which one, as in the person that is going through something, perceives the factors affecting their lives as external, as in like dealing with some something else, either it's fate, life, God, whatever it is, affecting their lives, which means. Unable, they can't circumvent. They can only just sit along for the ride, mm. or the extent to which the person feels like the it's internal, which means that they can actually affect things. Mm. So uh, sequences of of decisions can change the course of their lives. So I um so I think I personally believe that it's very much external for a lot of us. We feel like we have to we 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 just have to sit along for the ride, and um, I think. There are many things in society that would sort of beam that idea into our heads, starting with the fact that when in mental health, um, in we don't see ourselves in practitioners at all. Yeah, as in yeah. that that's one and of I them. I love that. That we don't see reason. exactly. We yeah. don't see ourselves yeah, in practitioners. So if we don't see ourselves in practitioners, then we'll just be like, okay, well, let's go and see the doctor. Let's go and see the this doctor or that. Um, I'm not saying anything wrong with going to see the doctor, but then when that becomes a situation where you don't even look within yourself to see how you could, you could alleviate some of the stresses sure. that you're going through, then you know. So it's and kind then, of not, not having agency, exactly. not being able to find that. Not just that, yeah. and then and we don't see ourselves in practitioners, and then when we do go to into those settings, we feel like we will be misunderstood. There's that fear of being misunderstood, and it's not just a fear of being misunderstood. We're forgetting the fear of being judged. When you know when you know that that person is not of your cloth and that they're probably you know that and we already know that racism in the world right now is like each individual black man is an emissary of the entire race if he does one thing it means we all do yeah. that so we know we that become a ca- so yeah. then you want us to go into that situation and show vulnerability in that sense why would we do that so this is why so these all of these things are hindrance just are hindrances to us actually accessing mental health services and that's and this i just brought out two there's so many of them there and that's not even looking at did, within our own selves yeah i mean i did love that about the art because i you know the shades of noir article you know you know the battle of us and and looking at that reading your article i thought because you wrote that didn't you that was, I did. it was a, I did. yeah so reading it that hasn't article, been it hasn't been thrown out yet no 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 okay i mean no no you can okay. yeah yeah no, i mean because I, I would free. really like to kind of unpick some of the stuff that was being said as soon in the as article. it's as soon as it's published and it's put out there then I'll, I'll i might have to edit a few things but if, yeah, as soon yeah. as it's published out i will definitely definitely but what i definitely picked up on was as you said also you know coupled with this idea of um all the constructs of 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 race and how we're positioned in the world and then looking at having agency and yeah. not having agency and you know externalizing all of these issues is seen as something that you know you're just a passenger along for the ride that you can't affect any change um, to impact your circumstances. But I felt 
what was equally interesting was where you talked about the deficit of you know how mental health is is seen particularly within the black community yeah you know how we view it how um it's seen as taboo how we're seen as and um, what's the word am i looking for it's escaped me the um there's a word that's just escaped to me but it's cool it will come back to me but it's just kind of looking at you know the perception of black men and black people in terms of how they access yeah. support but in particular the deficit around and I know for me growing up if you spoke about mental health or had anything where you felt that you know there were any issues mentally ultimately you'd been locked up yeah and you know there was there was associations to schizophrenia you know, oh, to yeah. the most extreme sense of kind of of, of mental ill health mm-hmm. um, is where people would often go and as we know statistically you know the response to black men in particular to say the the wider populace and other people within the population other ethnic groups is very different yeah extremely different um some are going to be exploring talking therapies whereas us it's more likely to look at sectioning medicaid being medicated yeah you know and then people ask questions like why don't we trust why why don't we access these services then when we when we interact with mental health services especially at that level i call it a punitive stage so it feels like a definitely pun- it feels like a punishment because essentially definitely. think about it when you're going to jail or like when you're about to when you get arrested when you get detained how is it done it's pretty much done i mean it's yeah there might be a little more therapeutic in terms of what section but mm. it's still it's still restrictive it's all restriction it this is what it feels like restriction and think about it if restriction happens in that setting and it happens in the other setting maybe slight some tweaks and slight differences how are you not going to internally think about this the same way Mm -hmm. so automatically you will not go and you will and that is passed on in through generations Mm -hmm. no no we don't do that that's that's not our thing this is not it just may this is like i said it's it's just i get i get i get really just like i get overwhelmed at how many factors and and how much work needs to be done I get overwhelmed when I think about it. Like we just we we just touched on four now. We're gonna keep going as as this goes on. We'll find, and I'm pretty sure we can find as many as possible. And it, a lot of people would, some people say that oh, this just sounds like excuses, but these are real. These are real. These are real factors that affect it. Real factors. This is why. And then I was gonna segue into studies and and how it's important to evidence these things because in order to actually communicate with the powers that be you have to speak their language in terms of academically and prove the ethic you know that instead it's while we're doing things exactly when we're yeah, doing things yeah. we can do things for ourselves yeah. but i feel like we it this um this progression has to happen to on a twofold level it, it can't just be us doing stuff for ourselves we need the other side we need the other side but we at the same time we need to sort of we need to educate the other side, but the other side doesn't tend to listen until it's unless it's brought to them in the language that they can understand. Can understand. And that's why we need to get to it when it comes to academia, black academia, when it comes to like research, researching these these social interactions totally. are very important. This is a very important thing. And if we can't thing. see ourselves as practitioners, then who's doing the research? Well, there you go. Exactly. So and then the research, yeah. Catch. Yeah. The, the, ris- the, it's, the bias in research is something that you cannot circumvent. So why would you not try to diminish that amount of bias as much as you can in terms of, you know, just not, I mean, you won't diminish the bias, but you'll just change the 
polarity of the bias as in make it a bit more lean into our side in terms of being able to understand someone coming from someone coming from that particular situation that they are investigating that is the way forward but but i've got to say something i want to really acknowledge you for which i think is really absent definitely from kind of western eurocentric kind of approaches to mental health mental well-being um, or well-being in general is that often i think what I've experienced when I've heard of other people that have access services, mm -hmm. uh, mental health services, regardless of um, who's sitting opposite them, you know, there's this kind of cold, kind of there's this kind of coldness sometimes that can be um, displayed by by therapists and by counsellors. You know, as you know, it's the British way to have the stiff upper lip and not necessarily to get too emotional yeah. about things okay whereas i think you know definitely looking at you know the african diaspora obviously we are people often are very colorful in our in our um, expression you know there is a real sense of of kind of yeah hum yeah in terms of humanistic approaches to stuff there's this there's an authentic self that is displayed i think which i think is really helpful and i guess what is permeating and, 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 and penetrating through all of this discourse and all this discussion that we're having at the moment is your the positioning of yourself within all of it and its core in your article to the the sessions that you're facilitating and, and running. I love your 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 willingness to take risks and to use yourself. Oh yeah. To kind of and I and I feel that's really absent from um, a lot of the other sessions that I see often, depending on what approach you want to use, psychodynamic yeah. or however you want to look at this, um, people very much would refrain from using themselves or bringing yeah. themselves into that session. But I do like the, the person-centered, the human I think the it's, it's, very, it's very important, especially in a, in a context such as this, yeah. uh, such as what I'm doing, it's very important because I feel like that, that is the best way to break down that it's a it's a word that when I say it, a lot of people hate it. But it's it's a therapeutic crust. Yeah. It's like it's the concept of the therapeutic crust that you have to sort of break apart and break away. It happens when it, when it's the first initial contact of therapy, and then it happens if you haven't had therapy in a long time. It sort of builds back up, and then you have to, and that human to human interaction, that fact where they yeah. that that just a simple connection at a social just a human level, that is, and then just feeling that you can relate to someone, feeling that you. Feeling that someone is authentic makes you want, in turn, to be as authentic as you can. Totally. And, that's, and this is, is also, yeah, it's also, also something that I thrive to be in and to be as honest and transparent as possible when it comes to I love that. my therapy, oh, no, anything I, just, I, just, I do. I just love that. And I know, Yannick, we have literally just scraped the surface yeah, that's <laughs> the thing. It's of this topic, you know. Um, but I'm hoping that people will see this and will get a, a small peek, a little sneak peek into this world hearing someone speak, hearing somebody who looks like some of the guys that are kind of maybe struggling with some of these issues. So I hope, and I'm pretty sure not that even, people, Not even looks like, struggle too. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. struggle, totally. Not even look like, yeah, struggle yeah, too. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, but they see themselves, exactly, mirrored, I guess, yeah. is the point that I'm, I'm emphasizing. But totally, no, yeah, yeah we're In all, terms of with mental yeah. health and all of that, <laughs> it's this, this, this stems from actually, this stems from experiences within with battles with mental yeah. health that I myself has have had sure. so this is why I'm I believe that I'm in a I believe I'm in a much an, in a in a better position in a sure. good position I wouldn't say better but in a good sure. position to actually do something because Definitely. I've gone through it and I know yeah. what it is I know 
I know what it's like to 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 go through this. Like, all right, okay. I let me just throw an experience I had when I was doing my um, associate degree at at Burbank. Um, they uh, my lecturer threw out these, these statistics of um, schizophrenia in the black community amongst black men, and they're like, and this happens, and we don't know why. Like in in urban settings, schizophrenia seems to be higher, but whereas in green areas, as in like in the countryside, not so much. And I was looking at the, I was just looking, and I was like, yeah, it makes sense. And they and then they looked at me, and they were like, why do you why why do you why are you so sure? And I was like, okay. Um, socially induced schizophrenia is all about it's the process in your mind the way you think right so if you're constantly in your head just ruminating over stuff constantly just like hyper vigilant about certain things if you already do have a predisposition within you biologically it can be it can be triggered right and then somewhere along the line and this age that we are in like it's you know within university and leading slightly into your late 20 that is the right time for that to happen so simple things like as a black man being in um being on a train sure. and sitting down and noticing that no one sits next to you you start to wonder of oh course, why is that start you start to, to think being a being to, yeah. a black man walking and then having to Definitely. cross the road because you don't want someone because it's dark and you don't want the other person to like be spooked or whatever or you that that thing where they like you grab your purse is grabbed you don't want to see that because that'll hurt you because it hurts let's face it 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 hurts when it happens to me it hurts it hurts because i am far from that so simple things like that being constantly in your head the things that oh no i can't do that no if i do that they're gonna think this of me totally Uh, think about what us being in our heads we we are running out of time sir (laughs) and i know i know i can keep i can keep going and i know it's a very important topic it very much is but time is against us definitely yeah i want to salute you sir thank you for being in the studio and contributing to this conversation um it's been a, a a much needed conversation but before you go, what mm-hmm. I want to, to kind of do also is, one, how can people follow you? How can people connect with you if they want to follow your work and connect with Black Men and Women Talk? How can they find you out? Okay. Unfortunately, I'm a social media phobe. So, <laughs> but you're on um, LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. So I have LinkedIn. So just search my name, Yannick Yalipende. Yep. Kama MBPSS, okay. which stands for member of the British Psychological Society. It's just a thing that you put. So, and then um, Black Men Talk is Black Men slash Black Women Talk, also on on um, LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. Well. But yeah. we are. I'm in the process of moving on to the the sure. other social media sure. platforms for the initiative. So, uh, but I will be announcing it on LinkedIn and so and referring totally. people to the page. So and when once you that's do, done, we're gonna we're gonna let them know as well. We're gonna let them know definitely. And also, just to check, we always ask before we we leave if there were two individuals that you'd recommend to be in the lounge to have a conversation right where you are right now they need to be living right you need to be able to contact them they need to be able to make it (laughs) to the studio okay so who would they be that you'd have sitting right there right now and why i just so i happen to know a lot of people that are doing some amazing things for the community and um hmm, someone i can think of i've actually spoken to them about this so I, i told them that i'd give them a shout um Keisha York. Okay. Keisha York would be one. I, I told I th- I think she's she's created something in the B I P P, which is the BAME in psychiatry and psychology. I think it's an amazing initiative, especially for us. Um so she would be great to have here. Um someone else that is doing some amazing research. But they 
they actually got me here. Um, and Cassie Stowe. Okay. I think that'll be another person. I think I think what she's doing in terms of um, researching um, just mental health within the university setting is pretty awesome, and she's an extremely talented researcher. So I think really? I think that'll be great to have her here. Cool. Um, yeah, I could think of a few yeah, people, but I'm that's sure, all but good. Yannick, thank you. It's it's been emotional, thank and people, you as you know, me. this has been Lounge Academics. You know. Check us out YouTube. Make sure right now if you just check the notific notification bell just to inform you of future episodes. And don't forget, leave your comments down below. Engage in the conversation. I'm sure there's been a lot here. Be great to hear your comments. Lounge Academics, thank you. <laughs>